the number one podcast that corporate tenants turn to in Seattle. Relocations, expansions, contractions, subleases, renewals, and redesigns are no problems when these champions are on your side. From the Orion Commercial Partners World Headquarters in Seattle, Washington, this is the Champions for Corporate Tenants podcast. Now welcoming your champions, your hosts, Gil White and Stephen Cougar. This is Seattle's only commercial real estate podcast. We introduce you, the corporate tenant, to landlords, developers, vendors, and consultants. This podcast is for you because we talk trends and strategies that can be used today for your real estate situations. This topic today is construction. And we have a special guest, Eric Featherstone of Express Construction, to talk about, uh, well, quite, quite frankly, to talk about all the cranes that are in the air out there. Not only the, the building side of things, but also kind of a corporate tenant's interior space, uh, major tenant improvements. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Steven so he can make introductions and we'll get going. All right. Eric Featherstone, as the business development manager for Express Construction, Eric leads all company development and sales functions with an emphasis on new construction and tenant improvements in office, mixed-use retail, and industrial properties. Eric is most recognizable as the former executive director of the Washington chapter of NAOP, which is an acronym for the National Association of Industrial and Office Properties, where he served for over 14 years. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, Let's see. I think we should begin with you explaining sort of the state of the union. Uh, Where are construction costs and what are things that are uh, affecting the construction industry right now? Wouldn't we all like to know exactly where construction costs are and where they're going? It's really hard, very unpredictable, uh, especially in this market. We're one of the hottest markets around the United States. So it's, it's really difficult to actually put your finger on exact costs for construction, especially uh, ground up, shell and core, new construction, but it also leads into tenant improvement construction. So it's, it's again, it's very unpredictable, and a lot of the fluctuation and uh, issues with the construction costs are in labor. Uh, we have a, a huge labor shortage, and it's not, not any surprise to anyone. Uh, obviously, material costs do fluctuate as well. But we are, uh, uh, we're looking mostly at the labor costs that, that affect the overall costs on projects. So it's really labor that is derailing timelines and, and uh, costs and things more than anything else these absolutely. days? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. You know, just generally speaking, uh, someone recently told me that half the nation's cranes are in Seattle, or at least in the Puget Sound region right now. Is that true? That's very close to true, yes. We have over 60 cranes, uh, largest metropolitan area in the United States that has the, the most concentration of cranes. Wow. That is remarkable. <laughs> 
so let's switch over to tenant improvements, if that's okay. Uh, I'm curious, uh, how do TI costs vary if a, if a tenant is electing to go with a cubicle farm as opposed to traditional offices? Mm, that's a good question because a lot of a lot of people think that the cube farms might might draw in less of a cost to a, a tenant improvement. That's not necessarily the case depending on what type of product they're using for uh, each desk or uh, each each workspace. So they might have sound mitigation they need to do and and lighting and stuff like that. Um, that that it actually bring up a cube farm cost up to what a typical individual office might be, you know, building small, independent little offices. If you work it correctly, then obviously there are cost savings. You can reduce the cost of mechanical work. You don't have as much duct work. You don't have as much lighting. Um, in a cube farm, you've got power receptacles, one big one coming into, a say, a, a, a four-part on, a, on, a, on cubes as opposed to having an individual office where you'll have three outlets. So there are some cost savings, but definitely have to look at it and see what the end user's looking for, what the client's looking for. Um, so it could vary. Uh, in most cases, yeah, a cube farm would be uh, less expensive. When tenants are trying to understand how much they should budget, what are some of those, uh, those items that they might overlook that when they end up getting bids end up really kind of shocking them or uh, you know throwing them back a little bit because they just didn't expect uh, the, the cost to be that high hidden cost if you will could you talk a little bit about that yeah I'm thinking uh, a lot of the gotchas and the hidden costs that I see tenants uh, experience is not understanding building requirements so they go into a specific building they don't they don't know what that landlord's requirements are. There are specific requirements on uh, the vendors they can use, the, the subs that they can use, and that might affect the costs. So in other words, uh, they get a little thrown off by the fact they can't hire Uncle Jimmy to do their tenant improvements? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Could you talk a little bit about why uh, landlords have objections to the tenant bringing their own team in to build their space? Well, a lot of the landlords actually vet those subs. They, they actually go through and they, they look at them, they, they check uh, references and, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's actually a nice process. It, it limits a lot of those subs out there, understandably, but they'll have three to five select subs in each, each division, I should say, you know, plumbers, mechanical, so on and so forth. But at least they've vetted them. And they'll have specific building requirements, specific finishes, specific uh, lighting, um, mechanical um, needs, power, things like that. So they've already vetted those, those vendors. I think the tenant's objection would be that by using the landlord's contractors, the costs are just going to be so much higher than Uncle Jimmy can do it. Can you talk about some of the requirements that the landlord needs or assurances, if you will, from these contractors and their subcontractors, you know, why, why does the landlord require these, these other folks that seem to cost so much more? 
Well, it's in all honesty, it's not necessarily true. On the surface, it might seem like a tenant would bring in a, a GC uh, or, or required that they would use a specific GC that the landlord uh, specified. Uh, however, they've already done uh, tenant improvements on, in that building, so they're well aware of the timing. Um, again, all the requirements a landlord may have. How do they work in off hours? Does that building need uh, work in off hours? Uh, how do they mitigate noise, sound, uh, or um, odor, dust, so on and so forth? So those those general contractors have already had experience. Those uh, sub subs already have experience on that. So it's not necessarily uh, uh, an increased cost because they're <laughs> kind of trying to stick it to to the new tenant it's that's not the case uh, yeah it sounds like the landlord just needs to be assured that whatever work's being done in his or her building it's going to be at a class a standard which uh which is not unreasonable absolutely completely agree what are some things that tenants can do to control costs that's I realize that's a general co- general question but if you could do your best to address that we'd love it now, clients, tenants, when they're doing their improvements, um, coming into a new space, they obviously need to to realize resources. Um, we all understand, and we talked about it early on, about labor costs. Uh, labor, there's a major labor shortage, so some of the reduced costs can look at the scheduling. My, my belief is, is coming in with negotiated work. Work with the tenant early on, work with the architect, create your team early on. That way you can work on the schedule, you can try to reduce lead times that, that end up costing tenants quite a bit of money because they'll, they'll think that they've signed the lease and they'll get in in 90 days and you know, nowadays you're, you're looking at another you know, 30, 45 days depending on how these uh, subs can can supply the resources, whether it's labor or materials. Eric, you mentioned schedules. What what are you seeing from the Department of Planning and Development in terms of uh, permit approval? Uh, is it another 30 days, another 60 days? Yeah, it could be depending on the building, whether they have a master use permit in the building, uh, what kind of uh, tenant improvement they're doing, if it's just simple walls, if it's more on the mechanical side, they may have to go through reviews. But a lot of the buildings and the landlords uh, already have permits on file for building. Uh, they do have to go through some design with with uh, certain build outs. But yes, to answer your question, it could be <laughs> they could be at least 10, 15 weeks out. Wow. So this is I mean for a corporate tenant, this is a, an important question to ask. Uh, your broker or the the you know the the uh, landlord's broker in terms of what they've got that master use permit mm-hmm. and the sort of timing that it's taking to build out similar type spaces. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about general contractors and can you provide uh, our listeners maybe some some um, good input or advice on how to select a good GC general contractor? Correct. It's. When a, when a tenant wants to go out there and lease some new space going in Seattle or Bellevue, any of the CBDs, and a lot of the buildings, like we mentioned, they have requirements. Not all buildings have requirements for GCs or vendors, sub-vendors. Um, a lot of times, to be able to select a GC, it comes, comes directly from like an owner's rep, like a, an architect, when they're ready to go ahead and design and, and uh, plan out their space. However, if they're just 
looking for a GC out of nowhere and not taking any, uh, any recommendations, I always suggest uh, do your due diligence. Make sure that they are, they've got good references, bonded, um, look, at their, uh, look at their portfolio of stuff that they've done in the past on similar space. Yeah, that would, that would help, help at least vet some good GCs. So it's a good idea to have, have that tenant, have that potential customer ask that GC for references. Absolutely. Some of, the, some of the work they've done in the past. Absolutely. Would you go take a look at it, or is it just as, or is it just as easy to maybe make a phone call to that, to that particular client they worked with that they're using as reference? Well, I, I always recommend if, if a client is, or a tenant is looking for a GC to work with, get together face-to-face, talk about the project, talk about the needs, get in early on on that project, have them tour stuff, uh, spaces that they've already done. So that way they, they feel confident about it. Talk about the timelines, talk about any, uh, any issues that may come about, do it early on so then they can eliminate or, uh, or reduce their, their time in, in trying to get back into that space or get into that space, move in. So what are you seeing tenants do if, uh, if they have a lease expiration coming up June, 30, June 30th and uh, they're trying to get in July 1 and clearly, clearly construction is just not going to be done. Are they holding over? Are they, are they finding that their current landlord's finding, finding some of that flex space for them to kind of hang out in for a little bit? What, what are you seeing out in the marketplace? Various things. Again, I, I go back to my recommendation of get, get the architect and the GC in early on in the process, way before they foresee any type of signing, if, if at all possible. Hey, we need to go into some space. What is going to be my lead time in this area or on this building? And a lot of times GCs will be able to help you out on that. Tell me about express construction. What what uh, what is your guys' sweet spot? Well, like many GCs out there in the in the Northwest, we do a lot. We do ground up construction, shell and core, but we're really focusing a lot of our efforts because of what we see in the future. Uh, a lot of our efforts downtown, CBD, Seattle, and Bellevue, doing tenant improvements. Our special projects group is is ramping up because we foresee that in the next two to three years that uh, space is not going to be out there, brand new speculative space. We're going to have to have uh, space that we're going to uh, rehab and, and uh, uh, fit for a new, new client, new tenant. So that's, that's generally what Express does. So for our listeners, what is a special projects group? Well, it's also kind of a fancy term that we use for our group that does a lot of tenant improvements. However, we will build out retail space, we'll build out restaurants, we'll build out sh- shopping centers, um, grocery stores. So that's just what we encompass under our special projects group umbrella. How can listeners get hold of you and learn more about you? We're on the web at expressconstruction.net, or you can contact us at 206 230 8500. How can they email you? This is a nice short email info at expressconstruction.net. 
Eric, thanks a million for coming out and, and uh, sharing with our listeners what's happening on the construction side. It's, it's uh, pretty daunting picking up the Puget Sound Business Journal, the Seattle Times, and reading about all this massive construction going on. But to hear from somebody kind of in the trenches right now about uh, uh, ways and things to be thinking about so that it, uh, it helps your tenant improvement package or it helps your construction process go much smoother, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. In closing... Stephen, what are the things that you learned? And I'll share with you what I learned. I think that it wasn't so much what I learned. It, it really just confirmed many assumptions listening to Eric. Uh, one is simply that tenants really need to carefully budget enough time to get through the project. And that, as expected, the Seattle DPD is running significantly behind schedule. So um, I think it just once again, confirms what we're already telling our clients, which is make sure you budget plenty of time to get through the process. I think my points really are the the labor shortage that a lot of these construction companies did not staff up. Um, Much like what we saw uh, that last cycle, there were lots of of construction bodies that were added and and, uh, there's more than enough work to be done. This this cycle, they haven't really really, um, staffed up like they had in the past, and that's creating some difficulty. And much like you mentioned, Stephen, I think really time is, is, is your friend in some cases, but it can also be your enemy. Uh, budget accordingly. Um, and I also learned why you know, Uncle Jimmy can't get in there and start wrenching around on, on you know, one of the Class A buildings. So with that, again, thank you, Eric. Remember to like our show, share our show, and Stephen... Cue the music. Thank you for listening to the Champion for Corporate Tenants podcast. The corporate real estate industry in Seattle is their domain. So you can be sure that they will be serving up valuable insights and topics in each and every episode of Champions for Corporate Tenants. You can also listen to previous episodes of this podcast at www.oriancp.com. Thanks for listening, Seattle.